CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. It's your money and your life with Don Cash and myself talking investing, finance, and retirement. Don, of course, a CPA and CFP with Donald W. Cash and Associates. And I'm here to talk to him, ask questions, chit-chat, all that good kind of stuff, and see what we've got going on this week. Don, what's going on, buddy? It's October, and the leaves are changing. Uh, the uh, the mums are out there on the front porch. Uh, of course, I guess if we were in England, it really would be mums, because that's what they say about their mom, right? They call them the mum. <laughs> and, of course, the World Series is coming up around the corner, and you're a baseball guy. So how you doing? I'm doing good. It, it certainly feels like fall out there, right? It's a time for baseball playoffs, actually, as, as we yeah. record this show. Uh, the Yankees just got bounced out by the Red Sox. Uh, so is that a good uh, thing for you or a bad thing? Eh, you know, for me, I don't really have a dog in that fight. I'm, we're a Met fan family. That's what I thought. So, <laughs> you know, we had a rough time this year. <laughs> so I ambivalent Yankees, Red Sox. It was good to watch. It was fun to watch. But it was, you know, it's certainly playoff time. And yeah. uh, looking out the window, my grass is nice and green. The leaves are changing colors. And uh, it, dirt, it certainly feels like fall in the morning. It was like in the 40s here. So it, um, it's good for walking, feels good for refreshing. All that humidity is out of the air. I'm sure you're feeling that too. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, Indeed. Less humidity. And, but well, fall, it's a hot one today, though, the time we're taping this. It's actually like 87 degrees. Oh, is it? That's yeah. quite warm. Yeah. But fall, you know, Mark, it's also the time for high school reunions. Oh, man. Did you go to one? Big time. Really? I had mine last Saturday night. <laughs> okay. I, I attended a relatively small public school here in New Jersey. Uh-huh. And it was one of these things, but uh, that was a multi-year reunion. Like oh, from yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, because it was, you know, they can't get a lot of people from each class. So it was from 1980 to 1986. Okay. And maybe it could have been 100, 150 people at the uh, at the banquet hall. So it was great to see so many people I haven't seen since the last reunion or even high school. You know, many, many of the classmates, I'm sure you're seeing this too, or you will soon, they have adult children, even some grandkids. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, it, it's kind of weird when you're no, it, talking. It's, it's pretty funny. My, my high school girlfriend, my first real girlfriend in high school, she's a grandmother, and it cracks me up, right? And she'll occasionally, we'll, we'll chit-chat every once in a while, and you know she's like, you're not, you know, I was like, nope, I just, I just turned 50. She's like, well, I'm the same age as you. And I was like, yeah, but I don't have any grandkids, so therefore you're older than I am, <laughs> even though we're yeah, the same age, right? It is funny to say, and uh, you know, with my kids being much younger, I'm not, we're not at that uh, that stage yet. But right. it's fun to reflect on oh, the sure. past and yeah. look back at all the changes that that people have gone through. And you know, I always tell people I'm very privileged to have worked with so many people over the years that are mostly older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I realize if you know I stay healthy, the best is yet to come in terms of the future and all the things you get to do. And you get past a lot of those worrying years with how am I going to afford all these kids in college and things like that. And if you're healthy, you know, there's a a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunity and a lot of um, fun times ahead. Yeah, indeed. Very cool. I'm glad you went and had a good time. And it it is interesting that the job that you do, it's, we get to hear a lot of cool stories and, and listen to people, different things, walks of life. And then you also get to share, you know, the things that you know and do best with them. So it's, it's got to be a good, fun, mutual relationship. But since we're talking about, uh, you know, changes and, and you went to this event, uh, let's talk about some, some changes over the years and some comparisons to the 80s. 
since we're both 80s kind of guys. Uh, we are going to talk today about interest rates, inflation, taxes, and bring it back to what's happening right now with some of these proposed changes to the retirement plans via the tax and budget proposals. A lot of people think, you know, we hear the headlines, well, this is only going to affect the rich, the ultra wealthy or whatever, but there's actually some stuff in there that can affect a lot of other folks too. So we were talking earlier today about an article in the Wall Street Journal a few days ago titled The Biggest Day in Bonds That Nobody Noticed. And it was from back in 1981, I believe. And it was a turning point in interest rates. So talk to me a little bit about that. Share that with us, Don, and how it relates to today. Yeah, it was actually a, a great article in, in the paper. And uh, uh, many of us old, old enough to remember pretty vividly 1981. Maybe not vividly, Mark, but we remember <laughs> We remember 1981. Right. I mean, a lot of crazy things happened, like within a three-month period. You know, John Lennon was shot, Reagan was shot, the Pope was shot, all within like three months. It was a crazy time. Yeah. But mortgage and three-month CD rates in 1981, <laughs> Mark, were 18%. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I remember my dad and grandfather opening up a couple of bank CDs at that time. <laughs> Not only did you get 18% interest, but the bank gave you a radio or a small television. Right. But wait, there's more, right? <laughs> exactly. It <laughs> yeah. was like you're, you're getting door prizes when you opened up the account. So it goes to show what the profit margins uh, in those CD products must have been at that time. Right, but yeah. today, uh, you know, I have a lot of uh, accounts with um I probably shouldn't mention the bank but it's uh, it's named after our country right if that gives you any indication the bank of mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what mm -hmm. uh, today you're lucky if you can get you know your local banker on the phone for basic customer service you know you end up with not the person in town yeah, it's all but automated someone, and yeah mm -hmm. you press 1 press 2 press 3 you end up with someone different country on the phone. But, you know, besides uh, CD rates and mortgage rates, Mark, being 18% in 1981, on September 30th, 1981, so exactly 40 years ago, last week, you could have purchased a 20-year government treasury bond at 15.78%. Wow. <laughs> so that's a government bond, not a junk bond. Right, right. And some mortgage bonds uh, we're offering rates of like almost 19%. And I think I just read like a week or so ago that bonds fell a few more points. Uh, what are the, what's the rates now? All right. So get this, the, the same type of a bond, a mm -hmm. 20 year government bond now is 1.99%. <laughs> wow. wow. So think about it. People are clamoring to give the government their money for 20 years mm. and getting 2% in return compared to uh, 40 years ago, where it was almost 16%. Wow. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling, right? It's kind of hard to comprehend that. Now, granted, you know, every, a lot of the other things were higher, and I'm sure we're going to get into that, but it is definitely amazing. And then you'd think, to your point, like your dad and your granddad went in, things must have been flying off the shelves, you know, like hotcakes. Well, certainly the CDs were doing well, but here's what's interesting about the government bonds. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really the amazing thing. Apparently, uh, there was very little demand for the bonds being issued oh, no. at 20 years at 15.78%, right? People wanted short-term bonds and short-term CDs. 
not wanting to tie up their money and, and risk the interest rates going even higher. Oh, of course. Grass is greener, right? Yeah. So when my grandfather or my dad went to open up those CDs in 1981, they didn't want those five-year or 10-year CDs. They wanted the six-month CDs mm-hmm. because they were figuring that the rates would just go Only higher go and up. higher. Yeah. So from 1977 to 1981, the rates on long-term corporate bonds shot up from 7% to 15%. So that was the trend, was rates were going up and they doubled in four years. So on that date, on this date in history, 19, September 30th, 1981, interest rates peaked and they've been on almost a steady downward trajectory ever since that exact date. So the buyers of the bonds convinced that rates would keep heading higher. They just wouldn't buy. Now it's just the opposite. Few people see interest rates skyrocketing higher, and there's almost an insatiable demand for these puny interest rates. Wow. But back then, mysteriously, and it really was kind of mysteriously, even though Paul Volcker, who was the Federal Reserve Chairman at that Mm -hmm. time, was pushing rates higher, but the demand increased at that point. And rates fell the first week of October of that year, 1% in one week. And by Thanksgiving, the rates dropped below 13%. (laughs) So they kept on dropping. One year later, in 1982, the rate went to 11%. And by 1986, it was back to 7.5%. So basically where it was in 1977, 10 years prior. 50% from its peak, right? Yep. It dropped... 50% 50% from its peak of 1981. Man. You know, hindsight, right? You know, investors, yep. you know, you know, missed an opportunity there. They could have locked in that 15% for 20 years. And uh, instead, you know, if they waited 7% a few years later on, not, you know, not ideal. And that's, you know, is that that's part of the struggle, right? For a lot of us out here, we think, well, how do we know when the right time to get in and get out? And, you know, this, and that's why we struggle and, and make the wrong decisions and so on and so forth. And, and that's why a lot of times we, we need to turn to professionals like yourself who can shine some light on these things. Yeah, we talked about that on the last show, right? Recency bias, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Our biases, whatever has happened recently, that trajectory will continue into the future. Well, it's like our market now, right? We've, if this thing's been yep. going for 10 plus years, so we're like, eh, it's going to keep going, you know? Yeah, with some, you know, little hiccups like what happened last right. year. Yeah. But there's a certain part of your brain that thinks that what happened recently will just keep going forward. Mm-hmm. But part of the lesson is that markets can keep moving in a direction for a long period of time and then just stop and sharply move in the opposite direction. And like I said, we've been in this period of falling interest rates for almost 40 years. And in search of interest rate yield, many people today buy these junk bonds or real estate investment trusts or other types of exotic bonds looking for better than one or 2%, but they're only just to miss the blind spot that if and when interest rates rise, they could just lose a ton of money unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. So a lot of folks don't realize that an increase of 3% mark in interest rates could result in a drop of more than 25% in value for a 10-year bond. Ouch. So let's mean if someone had a $100,000 bond mm-hmm. and interest rates increased by 3%, 
it could drop to $75,000. And 3% is not that big a swing. A 20 or a 30-year bond would lose even more money than that. Yeah, that just sounds painful. And it's interesting, and a lot of times people don't realize, Don, because it's like a seesaw effect, right? They have uh, opposite direction values when you're talking about interest rates and bond values. That's right, exactly. So it's not uh, something a lot people give a lot of thought to, Mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, we've been in this 40-year period. Interest rates have been falling. So bond values have been very strong. So if someone bought that Home Depot bond for $100,000, you know, we haven't seen a drop in value. It's increased in value. But when the rates move in an unexpected direction, like in 1981, mm-hmm. you can really get hammered, as we used to say in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> I think we still say it. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So if we're talking about interest rates, and obviously there's a lot of conversation around the debt ceiling and this, that, and the other, and the and the, the bills that we're trying to push through, what might cause uh, an increase you know, into the interest rates? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's, you know, I guess it is being discussed more um recently. So going back to 1981, the national debt was $1 trillion. Well, that sounds almost good, doesn't it? Right. But think about this. If interest rates were 15%, Mm -hmm. the interest rate on the debt was $150 billion. Yeah. Quite high. Quite high. Yeah. Right. So today, the National debt's over $30 trillion. Mm-hmm. Those in Washington want to keep spending. Ironically, because interest rates are so low, the interest rate on our debt is about $350 billion. So it's about double what it was back in 1981, the even interest though, rate. Even though the, the debt is you know way more than doubled. So yeah. It's 30 times higher. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that's that's very interesting. And there's only two ways to fund the government either with debt or with tax increases. Now, tax rates are sure to rise, but there's going to be a lot of debt issued as well. And people don't realize one thing, Mark, quite often, that the bond market is twice the size of the stock market. We always see the stock market results in the news, right? We see Dow Jones, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ. We see the green arrows and red arrows sometimes. But rarely do they talk much in news or financial news about the bond market. You know, unless you're watching one of those, you know, strictly financial, you know, CNBC financial or something like that. You're right. I I don't recall on just regular headlines or regular news. I don't recall really hardly, maybe ever seeing anything about the bond market. So I guess part of that lesson then is to understand, obviously, our individual risk, which we talk about being diversified and making sure your investments match that time horizon. Again, we talk about that, you know, what point are you going to want to retire? How much time do you have left, so to speak? Your risk tolerance, goals, you know, and all these things, Don, are stuff that you go into and you go through whenever you're sitting down with people and doing, you know, this 15-minute conversation that we talk about, getting things started. Uh, and it's easy to do, right? So all you got to do is reach out to an advisor like yourself, sit down, have a chat, do it over the phone, do it virtually. And you can reach out to Don, guys, at 800-664-1183. It's 800-664-1183. Uh, so, Don, let's talk a little bit about some of those changes that I mentioned earlier, uh, the tax changes, some of the proposed stuff and how it might affect folks, IRA changes. Lots of confusion. 
So break it down for us. Yeah, I mean, certainly we have to keep in mind uh, these are only proposals, yeah. right? Not gone through yet. Not gone through. And the big issue, what they're grappling with right now in Washington, it's a very, very divided Congress, right? You're talking about super slim uh, margins in the House. I think they can only afford to lose three Congresspersons in a vote. And there's a 50-50 Senate, of course, with the vice president as the tiebreaker. It's difficult to get anything through, even getting through a committee. And they have filibuster rules and things like that to, to stop a lot of other things from getting through. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what's being discussed is what I would call aspirational, right? But it certainly speaks of a trend and what they're thinking about in Washington in terms of raising taxes, raising revenue, making changes to IRAs and uh, traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs. But you know, first, a little backstory on what the impetus is for some of this push okay. in Washington. Mm -hmm. The Roth IRA, we did a little episode on this year, uh, could have been more than a year ago. Might have been. Uh, the, the Roth IRA was started in 1998, okay? And it was a way to create tax-free savings in retirement. So the idea is you put the money into a Roth IRA, it's not eligible for an upfront tax deduction, but the money grows tax-free for life. Right. And if you need the money to live on in retirement, you don't pay income taxes when it's withdrawn. Yeah, so you pay it going in versus taking it out. Correct. Yeah. So it, it, the big buzz in Washington about making changes to Roth IRAs was related to... Uh, a guy named Peter Thiel. I'm not sure if you ever heard of him. He was mm -hmm. the founder of a company called PayPal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody uses PayPal. Everyone uses PayPal, right? But back in 1999, no one ever heard of PayPal. So right. He contributed $2,000 to his Roth IRA and bought his company stock. Bought his own company years. stock. Okay. Right. With, over the years with you know these small Roth IRA contributions. Uh-huh. The value of the company exploded when it went public, and now the value of his Roth IRA is $5 billion. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> All 100% tax-free. More fantastic. So uh, he definitely had some good advice. Uh-huh. For he sure. probably sat down for a 15-minute uh, review. I was going to say, what do you bet that he has a financial, or had and has a financial advisor, right? Yeah, th this is the reason for good coordination. Exactly. Right, between a financial advisor, an attorney, a CPA, all making sure you're, they're working together. Exactly. And I got to imagine that, you know, Congress hates these kinds of stories, Don. And, and people, like a lot of times, even regular folks get frustrated when they hear this, but he didn't do anything wrong. No, you're right on, on both accounts. One, didn't do anything wrong. I'm not sure what kind of vision he had for the value of his company. I'm Probably sure not that, it. right? But <laughs> happy yeah. accident, whatever you want to call it. I'm sure he believed in it. But, sure, yeah. You know, it's one of these like lightning striking 10 times things, right? Right. Uh, and Congress does hate these stories because it makes for bad press, right? A law was created and someone took advantage of it. And now they have billions of dollars. They'll right. pay no taxes. Right. The problem, though, is that there's just not that many Peter Thiels not that many billionaires. And when they talk about making changes in Washington to IRAs or Roth IRAs, the income level for a lot of these changes is $400,000 or $450,000. Mm -hmm. So, you know, certainly not billionaires. Right, no. There's just not enough of them. 
So they start tinkering and they start at, they talk about billionaires and millionaires and they start bringing the income levels down, even to the point where several years ago, about 10 years ago, you could not make a Roth conversion if your income was over $100,000. So they've had these income levels much lower over the years. But here are some changes that are proposed. No Roth conversions for incomes over $400,000 okay, or $450,000 if you're married. Now, keep in mind, like I said, 10 years ago, it was 100000 So this could change. Mm-hmm. Um, no IRAs for people with what they call mega IRAs, more than $10 million. Right. And that's like that ultra wealthy where they kind of push that narrative, right? Okay. Right. And if you have a big IRA, you'd have to have a huge required minimum distribution. Right. Tax like money. 50% in one year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what they're talking about. They don't want people to have gigantic IRAs. Uh, tighter rules for what they call self-dealing like what Peter Thiel did with his own company. Gotcha. They don't like people who use their IRA to start up their own business or to buy certain types of real estate or gold or baseball cards, things like that. They, they don't like self-dealing with the IRA. But keep in mind, these are only proposals. Sure, yeah. Right, but the trend is clear, right? Washington needs money. <laughs> There's over $30 trillion in the national debt. Here's the kicker. There's over $40 trillion, Mark, in IRAs and 401ks. In Americans' money, right. (laughs) So that, it's like the old Jesse James story. Why did he rob banks? That's where the money was, right? right? Yeah, true. So tax rates are going to be going up. The question is, how do we deal with this? How do we plan around this? And planning is absolutely critical. No, definitely planning is critical, Don. And so, folks, again, if you've got questions, you need some help, if you're listening to the podcast, you might already be a client of Don's or a prospect of Don's, something along those nature. But if you're not, you know, reach out to him. Give him a jingle and uh, call him. Have a conversation. As we mentioned earlier, you can have that complimentary. Reach out to him at 800-664-1183, 800-664-1183, or stop by the website donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. A lot of good tools, tips, and resources there as well. He's a CPA and a CFP and been helping folks get to and through retirement for many, many years. So make sure that you reach out to him. And, and Don, as you mentioned, as we close this out, you know, this is obviously not uh, in stone yet. There's still a lot of roadblocks and things out there, a lot of opposition. We hear about it, it seems like every eight and a half minutes. So maybe what we'll do in a couple of weeks, we'll see if anything's changed and revisit this a little bit. Well, Mark, you know it's like the weather. All you have to do is wait a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Something will change. So we'll bring it up on the next show. And uh, yeah, for sure, I think we'll know more. All right. Sounds good. Folks, thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to catch new episodes when they come out. You can do that on Apple, Google, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, so on and so forth. And again, you can find all of it at Don's website at donaldcash.com. It's your money and your life. And we'll see you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.